0: Symphony of Shadows, Third Movement, Luce Spenta, L'Ombra More, Revolutions Per Minute, Phrase 4. General Pilton awaited his death with the patience of a planet moments away from being struck with an asteroid. Genoa's armada was overwhelming, but the mercenary was only human, and one Pilton understood well. The large Divine Republic force would take some time to reach Pilton's position, and he saw no reason to make that journey an easy one. His own forces had been scattered across the sector, but those who were close pestered the armada along its path, peppering the rear guard, then running away, attacking the flank, and running away, disrupting the supply line, Inherring the enemy at every possible moment. Much of Peelton's success was due to these galaxy spanning guerrilla tactics. They were what forged his reputation, and he saw no reason to change that now. Axaratus's orbit was favorable at the moment, on the other side of the sun from the gate to the sector. The distance, in combination with Peelton's efforts, had likely gained them a precious thirty hours. The PLF's only hope was that Genoa would arrive frustrated and supremely confident in his success. If Peelton could manage that, he should be able to go Genoa into overreaching, into making a mistake. It appeared he had already made one, leaving few behind at the gate. The man was already in the process of closing it, but closing a gate was no easy matter. It took time to complete the process. It wasn't like shutting off a light, more like draining a tub. If nothing else, he could buy some time for his people to escape. I would gladly die for that, he thought, as he watched the HRS Starblinder come into view, trailed by thousands upon thousands of battleships. The God of War was painted a gleaming white, with all the catastrophic menace of a comet. Ready the missiles, commanded Peelton. Missiles armed, said his lieutenant. Fire, he commanded. Missiles sprang from his motley fleet, and the star blinder batted them away easily. The silent explosions disappeared as soon as they came, nothing but a quick blink of light before the vacuum of space suffocated the blasts. To Pilton's despair, he realized Genoa had kept the armada in a tight formation, like an anaconda slithering through the river of space, and he a deer only just realizing. The general felt his throat tighten. On his radar, or in the video, he could dismiss the size of the force in its abstraction. Now that he could see it for himself, Hilton thought, They will swallow us whole. Hilton tightened his fist. Then I will make them choke, he thought before saying, Move to second position, Hilton commanded over the captain's comms. Immediately, the fleet split into strike groups. Shadwell commanded the bulk of the force in a parabolic swing to attack the armada's flank. Others threaded from a distance away to sow chaos amongst the ranks. The general's own ship separated in a small flotilla, firing uselessly at the starblinder. The maneuver seemed to have accomplished the desired outcome. The god of war had changed its trajectory to follow Peelton, abandoning the main force as they moved swiftly to counter. Then the curtain lifted on the theater of a desperate man, desperate for his people to survive, and many thousands who were about to die. Lights beamed and shone throughout the darkness of space. The green cloud that trailed from Axerratus seemed to glitter from the coruscations, lending the whole scene a surrealness that was magnificently breathtaking both from the beauty and the sheer horror. Hilton pushed aside the thought as his ship approached Axaratus, and the Starblinder released Netter squadrons, whose purpose was to cut off a faster force and corral them into the throat of the God of War's cannons. Hilton had expected as much, which was why his flotilla was swinging around Axaratus. If he timed it right, then he could slingshot around the planet and escape the Netters buying precious time for his main force to weaken the armada. "'Message from the Starblinder,' said his lieutenant. "'Lock it. The time for talk is over. Fire at the Netters!' Lasers pinged harmlessly against the Netters' light shields, but he would wear them down. "'Lance them!' A bright beam of light discharged from the bow of the ship, piercing through the shields of one of the Netters. It fell back and exploded." The other ships in his flotilla did the same, with varying degrees of success. The lancers needed several minutes to cool and recharge, but it would serve to keep the netters wary of getting too close. Sir, we have a problem, the lieutenant shouted. We just picked this up on radar. The man pointed to his screen. Hilton watched as white dots began to fill the screen a few thousand clicks toward the bow of the ship. His heart dropped. Genoa had sent a smaller force around the other side of Axaratus in order to hammer them against the anvil of the Starblinder. If they tried to pull out of their trajectory now, they would just run into the netters. As the reality settled upon Peelton, he saw something impossible. Where there was completely empty space before him only a moment ago, a cruiser suddenly appeared from nowhere. He knew of no camouflaging technology that could do what he just saw. It was there, though. And then another one appeared. And then another, popping into existence. Hilton was about to give the order to fire, but held back the command. He'd seen these cruisers before, or at least their like. Those are pirate ships, Hilton thought absently. From Red's fleet. He could tell by the recognizably vulgar decals painted like tattoos on their mastheads. The ships immediately scattered, all moving in different directions, except one, which shot like a bullet into the eruption of gas from Axaratus's wound. Kilton decided to follow. He had no idea what was happening, but if it was red, perhaps the pirates were close. With them, they could have a chance. The netters were almost around them, and the other force would be in striking distance within minutes. They didn't have much time. Hilton shot more missiles and discharged the lances, buying whatever time he could. Every second mattered. He watched the radar following that mysterious cruiser, and then he blinked, and the ship was gone. He looked up to the screen, but it wasn't there either their vision blocked by all of the gas. That's impossible, whispered Peelton. Is there something wrong with the radar? He asked the lieutenant. The man shook his head and Peelton looked back to the radar and gasped. The screen was entirely covered in dots. Thousands of ships appeared in an instant. Peelton knew the radar had to be broken now, but he looked up and could see vast swaths of the gas displaced and a shadowy mass begin to form. Pull away, roared Peelton. Now, now, to starboard! He was yanked to the side as his ship veered, pressing him hard into his chair. He watched as they were forced to turn straight into the clutches of the netters, but Peelton's eyes weren't on them. Instead, he watched the rear cameras as a fleet of ships broke from the gas and began unloading on the netters, decimating them in moments. A call, sir, shouted the lieutenant. It's coming from that ship. Hilton's screen showed a sloop, spattered with red as if it was a bullet that just passed through a heart. The fury typified on the hull. it through, he said. Red beamed as she realized she was back in the Constellation Sector. By the Gods, it had worked. And best of all, there was premium killing to be done. Hey, seems like you gotten yourself into quite the mess, Peely. But don't worry, Auntie Red is here to rescue you. For a price. The pirate captain laughed boisterously. Lucky for you, the only payment I ask for today is the blood of these Divine Republic piglets. Ain't that right? Bacon's on the menu today, boys. Woof! She barked and disconnected. Scully had kept Red's orders simple. Get those marble thingies in position and cause chaos. Red liked simple. She could do simple, and she could certainly cause chaos. It was the god's gift to her, in fact. Her fleet scattered in random directions. A sizable portion were making their way to the main action in a bulrush, but she herself made straight for the god of war— which she saw was called the Starblinder. Red chuckled at the dumb name. A ship so bright it could blind a star, thought Red. How the fuck does that make any sense? More ships joined the fray, pouring out of the God of War. In fact, whole sections of the behemoth seemed to peel away and shift. Much like Red's own ship, she ruined on that planet lasers blasted at her forces and missiles fired. Red took a wide berth, getting behind the hulking monstrosity. Her fleet unloaded on the invisible ship as a smaller group of Red's most talented pilots snaked their way ever closer to the Starblinder. Red herself wasn't the best of pilots, but gods be damned if she wasn't going to do this herself. As they drew closer, the danger increased exponentially. The God of War's defense systems were no joke, so she began targeting the many railgun turrets and small cannons. The Divine Republic's cruisers moved to counter, a couple getting on Red's tail. She moved out of her path, drawing the cruisers away, while Hound cut in and easily shot down two of them with well-placed material shots. Wolf and Mongrel both swept in as well, one taking out the remaining cruiser and the other destroying another turret. Red watched as an infinite number of skirmishes played out in moments, but they moved ever closer and closer. Suddenly, the detached section of the Starblinder unleashed a furious bombardment slashing through Red's forces. She'd barely managed to dodge. The weapon began to pulse light, growing brighter with each moment. We'll need to take that out, said Wolf. Hey, any ideas? asked Mongrel, dodging away from a laser. Red pulled the marble from her pocket. I do, and it'll have the added benefit of making Scully furious. You all draw their fire. I just need a few minutes. Aye, Captain, they all responded and scattered, spinning away from the damage but staying within range of the Star Blinder's mega cannon. Red pulled away the Fury to a safer distance, away from the mess, and moved to the back of her ship where the escape pod was located. Never was one for running, Red smiled as she opened the pod and tossed in the marble. She set the coordinates for the small ship and activated the marble through the HUD. She had to give it to the scientists. Not only had they engineered the hardware well, but the UI was simple and easy to use. This was Waruji's work for sure. All she needed to do was set the area that she wanted to transport and it did all the math for her. Bon voyage, she said, closing the pod and sending it on its course. Red sat back in the pilot's seat and pulled the Fury around to watch. Boys, might be best if you make a break for it. How long we got? asked Hound. Red watched as the escape pod drew closer. The pod had no weapons to speak of, so Red hoped the Starblinder wouldn't see it as a threat. Apparently it did, because a laser sliced through the pod's weak shield. Must have missed the engines, though, because it did not explode, carried forward by its inertia. Not long, responded Red, barreling toward the God of War. Head over to the others. I'm sure they'll be needing your help. And what about you, Cap? asked Wolf. I'm going for a quick trip, but don't worry. I'll be joining you soon enough. Red watched as the pod drew ever closer, the weapon's attention on her, the pulsing weapon stopped pulsing, and Red activated the marble. Beelton roared as his flotilla battered the Starblinder's cannon. Spectacularly, a section of it suddenly disappeared along with Red. All of the fury and destruction from a moment ago jolted to a stop as the massive weapon was no longer a threat. But the rest of the God of War remained, undamaged, and it continued the onslaught. Peelton checked the radar as the enemy force that had made its way around the other side was starting to filter in. It appeared Red's forces had done some damage, though, as they limped towards Peelton at a fraction of its original strength. "'To port!' yelled Peelton. "'We must meet with the main force!' It was time for them to run. The god of war was still unstoppable as it was, but it was also out of position and missing its most powerful offensive weapon. With Red's forces already making their way to the armada, he might be able to turn the tide, but here he was useless. Scully had decided to remain on Providence instead of joining the fray in her own flagship. Instead, she'd handed over command to Tammy, and Wauruje had given command of his fleets to her. Tammy was a capable second, and Scully had no doubts in her ability. All of them waited in reserve, stationed a healthy distance from Providence, and ready to teleport at any moment. Reality popped like a balloon, and Scully saw an enormous hunk of white metal appear before her, along with the fury. A flea, by comparison. Providence was some distance away, but residual lasers ejaculated from the weapon. Got myself a biggin', laughed Red over the comms. Did you destroy the God of War? Scully asked, both annoyed and a little astonished. No, but she's ripe for the taking. "Sai, you ready? Always, affirmed the cyborg in a gruff voice. Sending the recon now, Red continued, but you best be moving quick as quick if you want to catch those buggers still shitting on the toilet. Aye, responded Cybele, making the jump in three, two, one. And just like that, Scully watched the steel stallion, surrounded by a fleet of mosquitoes, disappear. Even after seeing it happen a few times now, it still blew her mind. This was going to change everything. Red, you should head back to your main fleet. Reports are starting to come in. They're being overwhelmed, and Pilton's forces seem to be just fleeing themselves in the way, like they have a death wish. Aye, aye, Captain, Red mocked joyously. I'll show em how it's done. Over and out. Red was gone a moment later. What about us? asked Knox over the comms. Maybe we should go while everyone is distracted with the battle. No, not yet. Still too much uncertainty. We need them to fully commit their forces and make sure the god of war is neutralized. Just be patient and hang tight. Scully had to battle against her own excitement. With these crystals, she felt invincible. But she'd seen arrogance lead to failure more times than caution. There was a time to be bold, but too soon could cost lives and ruin the plan. We wait on your command, said Knox. Scully gritted her teeth. The problem with their strategy was communication. She had no way of knowing Cybele's or Red's situation until the reports came in, and with all the chaos on the other side and the limited number of marbles, they needed to be frugal with their use. Come on, she thought to herself. You can do it, Cybele and Red. If anyone can do it, it's the two of you crazy assholes. Yelton's flotilla, with the help of Red's forces, blasted through the remainder of Genoa's netters and made straight for the front lines. Kept a close eye on their rear, though, as the God of War continued its slow progress around Axaratus, now on course to join back with the armada. Hilton couldn't let that happen if they were to have any chance of surviving this fight, but what else could he do? If only he knew what Red had done to take out that weapon. Where had she gone? Hilton blinked, and the impossible happened a fourth time. At the Starblinder's bow, the steel stallion, along with thousands of little gray specks, appeared hovering around the imposing dreadnought. The specks moved toward the god of war in a cloud of swarming metal. The last thing Pilton saw before slinging around Axaratus' orbit was a mass of explosions as the god of war and the dreadnought bombarded each other with enough artillery to destroy a moon. Oh, Eos, give you strength, Pilton prayed as the real battle came into view. It was an amalgamation of destruction. The head of a snake had been cleaved from its body, and yet it still coiled around their pathetic small force. The armada was only moments away from surrounding both the PLF and Red's own fleet. The pincer maneuver was slow but inevitable as a tsunami about to crash on land and devastate those unlucky enough to be on the shore. Red's forces, likely realizing the impossibility of the situation, started to flee, breaking for the small opening still available to them. Shadwell must have ordered the PLF fleet to stand their ground. They hadn't the positioning to escape the way Red's forces did. It was going to be a massacre. By some miracle though, instead of swinging the door shut on his forces, some of the armada instead decided to follow the fleeing pirates. Leaks formed in the enemy's lines, allowing the PLF forces to escape in small numbers. Peelton's own flotilla joined the fray then and widened the gaps where possible. The porous line was starting to show signs of disorganization, which should have been impossible. The commanders would mostly be stationed on the Starblinder, orchestrating this battle from their position, even if they could not physically participate in it. Sir, a message from Red, said Peelton's lieutenant. Again? His mind groaned, but did not dare to reject it. What is it? Oh, Peely, is that any way to address your savior?' the woman asked. "'Thought I'd do the right thing and give you the heads up.' "'About what?' he asked, as the enemy was starting to close on his position, and he found himself on the run again. "'You're going to want to lead everyone not following me back towards the Starblinder. "'Following you? It looks to me like you're running away like a coward. "'And why in Aeos' name would I want to do that?' asked Peelton. "'Oh, Peely While the name calling. And here I am trying to do you a solid. That's what I get for being generous, I reckon. I also don't care much if you listen. It would just make things so much more fun. That's all. Over and out. Peelton cringed. Was he really going to take orders from that mad woman? Him, the general and leader of the PLF? The pirates obviously had a plan, though. Even if he did not understand it, order our forces to retreat back to Axaratus," commanded Pilton. "But, sir," his lieutenant began, but Pilton glowered at him. The man grimaced but sent out the orders. They would leave their back exposed, and they would be running back into the mouth of the Starblinder. It was madness, but it appeared only madness would get them through this fight. Red snickered as she watched Peelton's forces do as she'd recommended. Who would have thought that prideful prick would listen to her? If she lived through this, she was never going to let anyone forget that she'd commanded the rebels and they listened. What a trip. Red was loving every moment of this. A sizable portion of the armada tailed the remainder of her own forces. She taunted them gleefully pulling outrageously risky acrobatics. Her fleet did the same, taking her lead and taunting the opposing force. The faster ships in the armada were starting to gain on them, some even coming close to their flanks. The mid-sized and larger ships lumbered forward, and the force began to stretch in a thin line. She kept an eye on her HUD, which displayed the positions of all the forces, along with where each crystal-holding marble was located on the battlefield. She kept a close eye on one in particular. Ma'am, Mongrel's voice came concerned over the comms. They're getting close, and some of the frigates are starting to charge up the big guns. Positioned as we are, it'll be tough to dodge, but if we pull out those cruisers, will pick us off. I know, I know, just a little longer, Red said patiently. She'd never been known for her patience, but for this, she was willing to make an exception. A few more moments passed the cruisers getting closer, and the light from their lancers almost at full brightness.
1: Ma'am, "'Ma'am,'
0: said Mongrel again, not bothering to repeat his concerns. "'Wait for it!' Red had never lost a game of chicken, and she'd be damned if this was going to be the first time. "'Wait for it!' she repeated, keeping a close eye on the lancers. As they grew brighter and brighter... And now she roared and activated the crystal. Her forces peeled away to either side as great beams of light coursed through space and a few of her ships were unlucky enough to be destroyed. The bulk of them were safe, though, except now the cruisers cut them off, firing all manner of artillery at them. Red's own shield was low and a few stray material bullets had punctured the fury, but it still operated well enough. In the confusion, it didn't seem the armada quite understood what had just happened. With their entire attention focused on annihilating Red's fleeing force, they hadn't realized that the entirety of Waruja's fleet had suddenly appeared at their backs. Mongrel had been the messenger, and now the largest force of any pirate lord was poised with an axe raised at the back of their necks with the cruisers engaging so heavily with Red, and the larger ships too slow to turn, while Ruge's fleet obliterated the armada in a symphony of cannons. First the frigates, then the sloops, then the destroyers, as Red focused all of her attention on the cruisers that had been separated from the main force. In great droves, those cruisers either fled, or tried to make their way back to protect the exposed larger ships, but it was no use. Despite its much larger numbers, this part of the armada flailed like a shark out of water. Red roared with laughter as she looked upon the fine work she'd done. There was still much to do, but she could tell her part of the plan was well in hand. Gods, this is fun! She yelled as she cleaved a bloody path through the enemy, smiling all the while. I wonder how will holding up. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio. Written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at connect to synapse That's the number two. Or visit our website for all things awesome, synapse-radio.com.